I titled today's message, The Mighty Acts of Judgment. God's Mighty Acts of Judgment. This is not all, um, let's say, um, categorized God's Mighty Acts of Judgment. This is just a portion of scripture where God displays some amount of power and the miraculous and judgment, and He called it the mighty acts of judgment. Hallelujah. So, in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and now I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. So the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt. And God gave this word to Moses to give to the Israelites. That is God's chosen vessel to redeem his people. That. He should tell them that he will bring them out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and that he will free them from being slaves. Said, and that he will redeem them with his outstretched arm. We've heard of the outstretched arm of God. When God stretches his arm, it is him stretching out his power to perform mighty works. And said that with his outstretched arm, he will perform what mighty acts of judgment. So these were not just judgments upon the people, but these were mighty acts of judgment that God was to bestow upon the Egyptians that all may see. And what I've realized about God or the word is that before God does anything, he reveals it to someone. Before God you know, redeems his people, he always brings out a word. When the people of God cry out to God, scripture said um, in the preceding chapter that the people groan to God, they cried out to God for redemption. And when they groan to God, God heard their cries. And what did God do? The first thing God did was that he released his word. He released his word. He released and his word was that I will redeem you. I will bring you out from under bondage. So you've not seen it God's work in action, but you've heard his word. <laughs> so there are some people, or some of us have been through certain situations whereby, you know, we are in certain situations where we've cried out to God and what we heard or the answer we heard from God was a word. When Daniel prayed that God should redeem them from the Babylonians, then the angel Gabriel came to Daniel. He said that I was withstood because I was I was to bring you understanding. So in Daniel's prayer, God answered with a word, with understanding. Hallelujah. So first and foremost, God brings his word. And the enemy fights God's word so much because he believes in God's word much more than you. He believes in God's word much more than you. And scripture says that when Moses reported this to the Israelites in Exodus 6 verse 9, said Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. So the people that have cried and God has answered with the word, they didn't listen to the word. Like I've heard your cries, I've heard your groanings, I've given you my word. 
that I will redeem you. But they didn't listen. They didn't hear the word. Sometimes people that God sends you to, to redeem, they won't listen to you. Because of the situation that they are in. It's, it's not because of anything, but because of what they are in. They are discouraged. They are discouraged. They, they won't hear the word. They've been in bondage for so long that the bondage is, it has become a home to them. It has become a habitat. I quite remember I had a dream once and in the dream, there's a certain person I know that had made her home in, in destruction. She had made her home. This person is not as if the person wanted to, you know, live in destruction. But because the destruction, because the troubles, because the trials had gone on for a while, the person had ended up making her home in the destruction. So the people won't listen. Even if you come, you are the one who has been sent to redeem them, but they won't listen. There are some people here that God has sent you. You are the one to redeem your, your family. You are the one to break the generational curses. You are the one God has chosen. But the, your, the same people that God has sent you today are the same people fighting you and fighting the vision, fighting the purpose, fighting that which God has called you to do. It was Joseph's brothers that sold him to slavery. And they sold him what? Because of his dreams. Because of God's word over his life. They didn't know that God's word also affected them. That God was making Joseph high. Or God was raising Joseph high. So that they will also be redeemed when farming came. Hallelujah. So they won't listen. They won't listen. But God's word is true. God's word is a yea and amen. Hallelujah. And it says here in Exodus chapter 6 verse 10 to 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites get go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? Moses had a weak point or had a weakness and his weakness was his faltering lips. So even that God had to bring out someone or God had to bring someone who will speak for him. And that was his brother Aaron. Some say Moses was a stammerer. He couldn't talk well. He was a stammerer. And Moses was like, "Ah, God, you have given me the word. Even the people that you have given me the word to, they don't believe in your word. They don't believe in me. And now you are telling me that I should go and give your word to the enemy. <laughs> the one actually oppressing the people. Hey, God. Like, God, really? Are you for real? And God said, yes. Go and tell Pharaoh. Go and tell the one that is keeping them captive. That he should let them go. Yet, the people are not listening. The people that are in captivity have made their bed in captivity. They are not listening. But go to the devourer. Go to the one who is holding them captive and tell them to let my people go hallelujah god gave moses an assignment but because the first assignment had failed he was scared to do the next but god had a plan somebody say god had a plan god had a plan so in the failure of the assignment will god reveal himself big time 
sometimes it happens so you will know it's not about you but about god imagine if moses went and the people immediately agreed in a way it could be that moses will make it about himself that i'm the one delivered they will start believing in moses instead of god just imagine but the people didn't believe him so moses knew that god i i can't talk to them i can't convince them unless you do and god told him to go to pharaoh like hey even the people didn't listen how much more pharaoh god was doing that god knew the only the people won't listen god knew pharaoh won't listen but the word was still a word the word was still a seed and that god allowed him to even tell pharaoh so that moses will know that it's not about me it's not about my faltering lips it's not because i'm a stammerer it's not about my weakness but it is all about god hallelujah it is all about god jehovah is the one that brings you out of the yoke of bondage he doesn't just redeem you but he does it with his outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment so when you ask that oh god redeem my family when you ask that oh god help me from this job when you ask that oh god redeem me god will not just redeem you just like that or take you out of the situation but he will do it with his outstretched arm with his mighty acts of judgment god is so big god is so powerful that he can't just redeem you just like that he has to do it with his mighty acts and in this case was mighty acts of judgment i remember i always say this story but it's just to build up your faith when my boss was against me and reported me and it seemed as if the work the workplace became a snare to me and just going to work was it was like <laughs> someone had to carry me someone had to strengthen me each day to go to work and i was like god how will i deal with this when the same person my supervisor is hates me and is seeking to do me harm even to the extent that he reported me and god was like so i wanted to leave i wanted to leave the place i was like i can't stay here because if the person that is in charge of you is against you who who will save you and god was like i'll save you go back i was like okay and i stayed in the corporate environment i i stayed there even though i could have left easily god said no i don't just seek to redeem you but i seek to redeem you with my mighty acts of judgment it was just three weeks exactly three weeks and he was transferred god removed that person god removed that person that was against me and they all knew what he had done to me they all knew the wicked things that he had done to me they all knew that he hated me and that alone though it was you know it happened god redeemed me it was also a way of god showing himself in my life so when they see me they wonder oh this girl god is with her this girl god is with her don't try her because god is with her hallelujah so it's, i became a testimony i may not know what they had in their minds not much i didn't hear from much people but i believe that i became a testimony that god is alive that god still redeems people hallelujah so we are going to focus on the 10 plagues the 10 plagues that 
God, you know, released upon the Egyptians. And this, when I read this, I've read this before, I know the story and all that, but God took me to another realm of understanding. That really got to me. And I want to share that with you today. So I pray that may you, may your heart be open, may the eyes of your understanding be open to understand this word. And may you take in the word of God for you. Though these plagues were written long ago, it's the Logos. God wants to reveal something through it to you today. God wants to reveal his Rhema to you today. Hallelujah. So the first plague is water to blood water to blood so that let me just mention the 10 plagues shortly so that if you don't know you just have the knowledge first is from the water to blood the second is frogs the third is gnats the fourth is fly the fifth is death of animals the sixth is boils the seventh is hailstorm the eighth is locusts the ninth is gross darkness, and the tenth is death of the firstborn. Hallelujah. Amen. So, the first plague is God turning water to blood. Exodus chapter 7, verse 19. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in egypt even in the vessels of wood and stone hallelujah so before i continue i just want you to know that because moses was insecure about his lips insecure about his fortune lips or his stammering god gave him someone that will be his voice and that was aaron so aaron became the prophet and moses became god so God said that Moses is Moses, you will be a God to Aaron, and Aaron will be your prophet. And a prophet is someone who speaks. A prophet is someone who hears from God and speaks to the people. So Aaron became the prophet and Moses became the God. So when God speaks to Moses, Moses tells Aaron, and Aaron does it. So when God gave this command to Moses, Moses told Aaron, and Aaron is the one that took the staff, stretched out his hand. And the water became blood. This should tell you that as priests of God, God said he has made us priests. He has made us kings. said we are gods. Don't you know that we are gods? When God gives you a word, he seeks to work the word through you. When God gives you a word, he seeks to work the word through you. Are you listening? When God gives you a word, when God gives you a word, he is not seeking to work it through someone else. Or he's not. Sometimes he does it supernaturally and it just happens. But he seeks to work it through you. Because on this earth, God has given us dominion. So on this earth, we are images of God. We are image in God's image and his, in his likeness. So whatever God wants to do, he wants to do it through man. So when God just gives the word, then his action is through you. Hallelujah. So God works miracles through the hand of his prophets in the name of Jesus. Why am I saying in the name of Jesus? Because the name of Jesus is the authority we have as believers. And the name of Jesus that they had was the staff. The staff was what they were using for their miracles. And that staff represents Jesus, the name of Jesus, the authority, understanding the authority of Jesus Christ. 
so god works miracles through the hand of his prophets in the name of jesus hallelujah that is the staff the authority of jesus and he says that even the blood will be even in the vessels of wood and stone so the vessels of wood and stone represent their gods so doom will be coming to their gods it's not only to the people but god has targeted the gods they were serving god had targeted the gods and doom was coming to the gods so if you relate this to unbelievers unbelievers and god let's say is bringing judgment on unbelievers unbelievers have a god they say right it's, it's not maybe a literal god maybe money is their god maybe self is their god and god is saying that moses turning the water into blood doom is coming to their gods judgment is coming to the gods they serve so you realize that sometimes when you give yourself a god when you give it it may be gossiping it may be money it may be your work it may even be your family your family can be your god when you give yourself to your god doom comes to that god doom comes to that god when you give yourself to the god and not unto god doom comes to that god so god literally leaves you yeah it's said in the bible there's a certain place it says that when you actually when let's say you are into um sexual immorality or you are into alcohol and drunkenness and all that at a point in time god will just leave you you realize that you god is holding you so though you are into those things no harm is befalling you at a point in time god will just leave you and those things will bring you doom so literally god was saying that the egyptians that doom that was coming was coming to their gods it was coming to their gods hallelujah the next plague was frogs exodus chapter 8 verse 12 to 13 after moses and aaron left pharaoh moses cried out to the lord about the frogs he had brought on pharaoh and the lord did what moses asked the frogs died in the houses in the courtyards and in the fields so god the next plague was frogs and the frogs came from the Nile to their houses it said they even came to where they need bread or they need the dough the frogs came so you couldn't do anything it's like the frogs were spiritually you can say the frogs came to scatter or to cause chaos you see a frog here you see a frog there it's, it just came to cause chaos so spiritually when you see <laughs> i can i can say this that when you see a frog it might mean chaos so the frogs came to call chaos and the, the place all the whole of egypt was so chaotic that pharaoh begged moses to pray for him that it will go and when moses prayed god answered like ah god you said you are redeeming us from these wicked people and you are the one actually bringing the place so how come when they ask for redemption when they ask that you redeem them from the place you redeem them like sometimes when god does things like we don't understand like god like you're literally supposed to let it continue so that they redeem us but you know in their hearts they were lying when they say that they will allow us to go but you still heard their prayer Mm, just think about this so moses was able to cry out to the lord interceding for the wicked they didn't really repent but they just showed a sign of remorse. 
So Moses was able to cry out to the Lord, interceding for the wicked, that is Pharaoh and Egypt. And when they showed a little remorse, God heard and answered. Like God, <laughs> they just showed some remorse. They haven't repented, but you heard and you answered. So one point that we can get from this is that as believers, we can cry out to the Lord for non-believers, for the wicked, and God will hear. But that doesn't mean that God is not seeing what is going on. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. So when we do cry out to God, he, heard, he hears. So that's why it is a mandate for believers to pray for non-believers to be, to be saved. Scripture said in Luke 23 verse 34, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted this raiment, and they parted his raiment, and cast out laws. When Jesus was on the cross, he prayed for the people that crucified him, that spat on him. He prayed for them. He prayed for them that they will be saved. So Moses literally prayed for them. When they showed a little remorse, he, he prayed for them. And God heard their prayer. Sometimes it's as if the wicked is, is let's say they are doing well in their wickedness. It's as if they are doing well better than us. Like they are wicked. There are so bad things that are supposed to happen to them. But bad things are not happening to them. You see a wicked person that has done so many bad things and they have gone. While good people are dying. But I'm here to tell you today that God has a plan. God has a plan. Yes, God answered Moses' prayer because Moses was in, in, in the form of Jesus. Moses, let's say, was the believer at that time. And as believers, when we pray, God has to answer us. God answers us according to his will. So yeah, God answered. And God said we should forgive those who do us harm 77 times, 7 times. So yeah, it was in God's will that when they show remorse, he will forgive them. But he had a plan because he knew their hearts. So let's continue. The next um, mighty act is not, not or lies. Exodus chapter 8, verse 18 to 19. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not, since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere. So the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. Hallelujah. So, God brought another mighty act of judgment on the Egyptians. And this was nuts or lies. And it was everywhere. Scripture said it was everywhere on the people, on the animals. On It, it was a snare. Lies or not, they are snares. So the frogs came to scatter, cause chaos, but the gnats were snares. So God brought snares, snares to them. And what they did was when Moses did turn water into blood, they did the same thing. So they realized, oh, we can also do this. <laughs> so it is not a miracle. Sometimes we see um, believers or we see the church doing miracles and we see unbelievers replicating the same thing. That, oh, we can also do this. And it's as if, oh, they have the same power. <laughs> but lo, lo and behold, <laughs> God did another miracle that they could not do. And this was the gnats. This was the snare. God did another miracle that they could not do. 
and no one could replicate and this is how the people saw that this was the supernatural finger of god when god did something that they could not replicate i believe that you are something or you are someone that no one can replicate when god created you he created you in his image and likeness yes they can they can try science can try and create robots science can try but then they cannot give life they cannot replicate life hallelujah so we see the finger of god at work here i pray for you that may you see the finger of god in your life may god work mighty acts of judgment in your life in the mighty name of jesus and we see jesus jesus also did some things that no one had ever done and that is him dying (laughs) and rising again we've seen people that have died and you know have been raised for the from the dead but jesus did something that had never been done before that is dying and being raised back with a spiritual body (laughs) going to hades and coming back (laughs) hallelujah and having life and he went as far as sitting in the in the heavens hallelujah he died and rose again and he didn't come as a ghost he came with another different body but it was a spiritual body he could even eat at galilee when jesus showed himself to peter and the other disciples they ate bread they ate fish he ate he could eat in his spiritual body and that is something that we had not seen before hallelujah so we are praying that the finger of god will route miracles in our life in jesus name the next mighty act of judgment was swarms of flies swarms of flies exodus chapter 8 verse 22 to 23 but on that day i will deal differently with the land of goshen where my people live no swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that i the lord i am in this land i will make a distinction between my people and your people this is a sign this sign will occur tomorrow exodus 8 verse 22 to 23 so in this fourth miracle what God sought to achieve was to distinguish the people from the people of the world. So God sought to distinguish his people from the people of the world. Recently, we see Christians, we see believers blending in with the world. But that is not what God is seeking. God is seeking to distinguish you, to bring you out of the world scripture says he brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light so sometimes we feel like oh we are the only ones i quite remember i was talking to someone and she was like there's a lot of you know people that though she's a christian you know um they are they speak against her and they are saying all sorts of things against her and i'm like yes that is why god puts you there so that you'll be a light so that you'll be different, so that you'll be distinguished from the people of the world. So God sought to distinguish his people from the people of the world. That's what the flies came to do. So when the swarm of flies was spread, that plague was spread, what happened was that in the land of Goshen, the plague didn't come there. 
This will also tell you that when there are so many things, when there are things going on in the world, there are plagues. There, are, you know, the dollar is depreciating. There's, a, a, and you know, oil and gold and you know, all these irregularities are going on. You should know that it won't affect you. This is a clear distinction. Though you are in the world, you are not of the world. The Israelites were not at a different place. They were also in Egypt, just that they were set apart in Goshen. They were also in Egypt. And when all these plagues were happening, not even one came to them. Not even one. They didn't even experience one. They didn't even experience nothing. Why? Because God distinguished them. Hallelujah. So God seeks to distinguish you. God doesn't seek you to be part of the world. God seeks to distinguish you. That's how come sometimes some people make arguments that, you know, believers are becoming like the world. But that is not the case. Whatever the world had, I'm not talking about, you know, sin. I'm talking about in music. I'm talking about in, you know, um, technology and whatnot. Whatever the world has, they got their wisdom from God. God is the creator and he gave us creativity. So it seemed as if at some point in time, believers were trying to catch up with the world. Meanwhile, we are supposed to be leading and they are supposed to be catching up with us. So some people make arguments that, oh no, church these days or recently in, in the church, they are behaving as if they are in, you know, pubs or clubs. And actually, when you look at their fruits, you are like, they're not really behaving as that. Because their fruit is what determines the spirit that is within them, the spirit that is working. It's just that they are catching up. They are catching up with technology. They are catching up what the world has already, you know, seen or brought about. And whatever they got, they got from God. The music they got, they got from God. There was this lady, I've forgotten her name. I think Mahalia um, something. She's a black woman. I've, I've forgotten the name. But Mahalia something. And when she started singing, uh, before she started singing, the blues were in play and she, I think, joined the blues and she learned how they sing. This woman had a very powerful voice. But then she had this burning in her heart to sing for God, to sing for, you know, for Christ, to sing for Jesus. So those, what she had learned from the blues their style of singing she started sing using their style by singing for god and she re- she received a lot of rebuke she you know people lashed out at her and all sort of things just because she was singing like the blues but unto god <laughs> and we see that this woman at some point in time was the one that was a very instrumental part of martin luther king's life martin luther king's life just because she, you know, learned the gifts from the world, but then sang to God. That even at his death, she sang um, this song, Precious Lord. I don't know if you know about it, but Precious Lord. So you see, that God seeks to distinguish us. But I believe a time is coming that the church will be in the lead and the world will rather seek to catch up with us. Hallelujah. The church will be in the lead and the world would rather seek to catch up with us. Hallelujah. Amen. So we are moving on. 
it says in exodus chapter 9 verse 16 but i have raised you up for this very purpose that i might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth and in this verse god is not talking about moses that moses i raised you up but god was talking about pharaoh like god this wicked man how can you say you raised him up but in a sense when you actually look into other versions it says god spared pharaoh god spared pharaoh's life by even showing his mighty acts god could have you know wiped him out he said it in 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 scripture that i could have wiped you out and your entire you know land of egypt i could have wiped it out easily but god had compassion and god spared the life of pharaoh in order to give him grace by showing his power and that the whole earth will hear of the name of the lord and repent hallelujah hallelujah so we can also say that god spared us we the gentiles god spared us and he spared us by showing his great power by bringing jesus christ he could have you know wiped us off easily he did that to sodom and gomorrah he could have easily he you know flooded the earth quickly he could do it easily but because of his compassion because of his love when you sinned he didn't immediately bring judgment but he brought acts he brought his mighty acts of power so that by showing you his power you might see you might hear and you might repent hallelujah so that you might see you might hear and that you might repent so when you see a wicked person and the person seems to be growing it's like god is blessing him in age in even the wickedness just know that it's just some grace that god has given him and that god will show him his power so that the whole world that he may hear of god and he will repent hallelujah now let's move on to the next plague which is the death of animals the death of animals exodus chapter 9 verse 5 to 7 it says that the Lord set the time and said, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it, and all the livestock of the Egyptians died. But no one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of Israelites died. Yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. The animals in those days were used to as transportation they, they used to ride on them use them for sacrifices and whatnot so in our day we'll say that god touched their cars <laughs> god touched the, the cars of the wicked hallelujah god touched their cars and that they were not able to move so for them to move they will have to walk long distances <laughs> hallelujah god touched their possessions their prized possessions their cars God touched their livestock. Hallelujah. And all of them died. But he said that none of the animals in the Israelite camp died or in Goshen died. And Pharaoh went on to investigate. So you can see that God is building a point. God knew that Pharaoh would investigate because all the things that had been happening to them, they thought that, oh, if their God is doing this, then he's doing it in this land. So surely the believers surely they will also you know go through this pain 
or goes through these plagues that we are also suffering. And they realized, or I'm sure he heard, that nothing, they are still good in the land that they are receiving plagues. So with this plague that came, he, re- he realized that he has to investigate. <laughs> and he investigated and not one, not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. This scripture just came to my mind. God said in Isaiah, and I think also in the Psalm, that not one bone will be broken. He will protect you. That not one bone of yours will be broken. So when God, we say God is a shield around you. When we say God is your glory. When we say God is the lifter up of your head. He protects you. He's your bodyguard. That not one of your bones will be broken. What trials didn't Job go through? But God told the enemy or the devil that you can't touch his spirit. You can't touch his spirit. You can't touch him. Not one bone will be broken. So though the plagues will come in the world, though certain things will come, and it seems like you are caught up in the middle, but I'm here to tell you, hear the word of the Lord today, that not one bone will be broken. Not one possession of yours. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will experience the plague, will experience the things going, the judgment of God, because what God is your shield, because what God is your glory, He is your bodyguard. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The next plague is boils. So, boils. So, I, I always say that with the boils, um, God allowed the enemy to touch their skin, it's like when Satan went to god and said oh i know you've taken his possession i know you've taken his family i know you've taken everything but touch his body touch his body and he will curse you to the ground so god touched their body with the bars so a lot of things can happen your possessions and you know a lot of things can be taken from you but it's a whole different things when someone touches your health there are some people that had so much money that they were sick to the point of death that their money couldn't protect them their money couldn't redeem them and that that is one of the most important things that jesus came to do jesus said that by by his wounds by his moon by his wounds we are healed so when jesus was on the cross when he took that 40 lashes minus one every stripe that he got he said it was for your healing it was for your health so as a believer jesus has taken all the pain that will cause you diseases he has taken that that pain of sicknesses god never meant to make our bodies dysfunction or cause sicknesses there was nothing like sicknesses there was nothing like diseases hallelujah when adam and eve were in the garden we never heard that adam was sick we never heard that eve was sick (laughs) we never heard that and jesus came to restore us back to that nature that we will be healed we will walk in divine healing hallelujah hallelujah i pray for you that as may you walk in divine healing may you walk in the revelation that jesus had come 
to heal you in the revelation that by his stripes you are healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And the next plague is hailstones. Hailstones. Exodus chapter 9 verse 19 Rabashita, let's just speak in the language of the spirit for just one minute Makinda Rabashanta Londere Masanta Mekenda Ai Asinama Shanta Ile Mamazandi Keria Masanda Rama Shete Rebosa Maandi Rama Linde Rebosa Kaikidende Malandi Era Mama Shete Marama Linde Rebosa Nime Shanti Karabazanda Ranshanti Kedabazanda Lemehenda Haina Masanti Arababashita Mama Shanti Kere Mamazanda, Lemi Hendi Hendu, Handia Kaikalaika, Rashanti Kere Mazanda, Arababa Shaita, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Exodus chapter 9, verse 19. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to a place of shelter, because the hail will fall on every person and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field, and they will die. So God brought the plague of hills and the hail fell on everyone. It was, it was actually a hailstorm and the hail fell on everyone in the field. But something we, 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 we sometimes miss out is that it didn't fall on those who were inside. God was bringing the judgment, but God also brought the cure. <laughs> For that judgment, God also brought the redemption for that judgment. So those who were in the field, the judgment, you know, came upon them. But those who were inside, they escaped the judgment. So we can say that literally, those who dwelled in God or those who, those whom God dwelt were saved. But those who didn't were destroyed. Psalm 91 verse 9 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So when you abide under the shadow of the Almighty, it doesn't matter what may come. You will be saved. You will escape because you dwell within God. You are not exposed. So you can say spiritually, those who were exposed were the ones that you know judgment was brought upon them those who were exposed but thanks be to god that's with us christ is our covering with us christ is our house with us we dwell in christ and christ dwells in us therefore we escape judgment the judgment of death we have escaped eternal fire because life dwells in us hallelujah it said in Psalm 91 verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. When God is your shadow, oh, he's your refuge. He is your fortress. You can hide in him and you will be saved. You can trust in him and you will be saved. Hallelujah. So we can also say that there are some believers that are exposed why because of a sin they committed and that sin was that they didn't heed to the voice of the lord i quite remember when god told me that he's calling me to be a prophet he's calling me to minister the gospel and the first thing i did was no god not me i want to be like everyone else i want to have a good job a good house and maybe a family <laughs> sometime i'm not going to do that job of preaching in 
the buses. <laughs> I'm not going to do that job of ministry. And that was my blunt response to God. Because, and besides, everybody was against me, telling me that I'm not really hearing from God. And when I told God that, and I went my own way, I was a believer. The Spirit of the Lord was in me. But then, when I didn't heed to the voice of God to do His will, and I decided to live on my own, to do my own thing, I tell you, the things I went through, it, it, it was mad. I was constantly getting sick on a regular. I'm a believer. I was constantly getting sick. I became a sickler. I became, I felt into, I felt in so many traps. I was manipulated. A lot of things came my way just because I was not in God's will. So you may be a believer. You may be going to church. But when you don't heed to the voice of God, the leadings of the spirit, you are exposed. And the enemy can clearly see that you are exposed. And will bring all sorts of things to you. So there are some people that say, I've been to church, but I'm struggling. I'm, I've been to church, but I'm doing this and that. Why? Because you are exposed in the spirit. Everybody can see in the spirit that you are exposed. So physically, you may be walking. You may be covered. You may be okay. You may be, you know, even behaving righteous. But spiritually, you're exposed because you defy the, the word of the Lord. You said you do your own thing. And when you do your own thing, you follow the flesh. The flesh leads to death. So those who were exposed, judgment came upon them. But those <laughs> that went into the leading of God, oh, God protected them. God became a shelter. God became their fortress. Hallelujah. And I can always say this, that since the day that I said that, oh, Lord, I remember I was on my bed and i was just reminiscing on all the things that had happened to me just because i wanted to do my own thing just because i wanted to go my own way and i said lord enough is enough what if you want me to preach in the bus if you want me to preach on the street i will preach i i i don't want to you know go through this anymore i rather take when i was in you i wasn't suffering <laughs> when i was in you i was there. yes people were persecuting me but it wasn't as much as me being exposed and when i surrendered everything to the lord since that day i can tell you that i've never been to the hospital for anything whatsoever yes symptoms may come but i have this conviction this is my covenant with god that i don't get sick so since the day i surrendered i came under the shadow of the most high god i came under the secret place of the most high god and i was protected and because of that, no sickness, no shameless sickness can come and, you know, attack me. You can come with your symptoms, but I know deep within I'm not sick. And I will stand in that understanding. Hallelujah. That is just by the way. Exodus chapter 9 verse 20 to 21. The, those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. Scripture said what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The officials who feared the Lord. So though they were all in the world, but there were some who feared the Lord. <laughs> the officials who feared the Lord believed the, the word of the Lord. That's all. We saw the blood and it came to pass. Water changing to blood. We saw gnats and it came to pass. We saw lice. 
hailstorms, we suffered. No, we believe God. So because they believe the word of the Lord, they know that this one there, we believe that God is God and his word will come to pass. What did they do? They were able to save their possessions and protect their families and their home. Hallelujah. But those who disregarded the word of the Lord were brought upon disaster. I quite remember there was a time when I had a dream and in the dream, the house that I was in was exposed. And I woke up in the middle of the night and God was telling me that it is exposed. And showed me that oh, this person and that person did this and that. And because of that, the house is exposed. So I have to take charge as an authority that God has placed me. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I took charge. I took possession over that which I live in. Some of you have to be praying for your home. Some of you, you are the only authority in your house. You have to take charge. When God speaks, you have to act upon the word. You have to believe and act upon it. God reveals to redeem. That is just by the way. So they feared the word of the Lord and they acted upon the word of the Lord. And because of that, they were able to save their possessions and protect their families and their homes. Some of you are the, the gatekeepers in your homes. Some of you are the authorities that God has placed in your homes. Though the people there may be fighting against you, though the people there may be doing all sorts of things, but you are the authority. If you are not there, they are exposed. Therefore, you have to take charge as the authority and take your possession. You have to wake up in the middle of the night, in the daytime, and take charge of your possession. When the word of the Lord is given. Hallelujah. So we, we can say that hell destroys. <laughs> Hail stops work. So when the hail came, I don't think that people were able to work. Hail destroys and hail makes you stop work. So hail literally made them stagnant while destroying their things. And what did God do? God hides his people with a covering. So as believers, even though the hail may come, God will hide you because he will be a shield around you. He is your covering. Exodus chapter 9 verse 25. Exodus chapter 9 verse 25. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both people and animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. So as I said, spiritually we can say, we can say, hailstorm destroys. It brings stagnancy. And what it destroys most is that it destroys, said it destroyed everything growing in the fields and that is the source of their food that is the source of their food in recent recent days when um stagnancy when the enemy wants to you know cause stagnancy or even bring judgment he doesn't attack your source of food he attacks your money he attacks your finances because that's what you used to buy food in those days there wasn't not there was nothing like money you know physical cash so what he attacked them, their possession, what was important, their source was their food. If your food crops die, what will you eat? So it destroyed their food source. It destroyed everything that was growing. It shatters it so that it can't grow again. And it brought my mind to the fact that some of us, we have not yet matured. We are growing. God has a great purpose for our life. God has a big thing for us. 
but because he knows that when you are exposed the enemy may shatter you just like when jesus was born they heard that oh angels are you know singing and dancing a great man is born (laughs) the first thing that the enemy did was kill all the boys two years and below so he doesn't even want you to he doesn't even want to see what you become some of you we even have a word of god and because of our, our situation we don't believe in the word but the enemy believes in the word of god more than you so a king is born where is this king where is he so he he the first thing he did was kill all children or baby boys which were two years and below the enemy knew that god the time for the redemption of israel had come the 400 years was coming so god will literally use a person that will stir up or that will start that revival and during moses's birth we see that the children now the king targeted the children <laughs> i think he targeted the children especially the boys so he he doesn't even want you to grow to see what you become no he wants to shatter you before you grow again that is how come sometimes god has to hide you so you are fully grown before he reveals you to the world if he reveals you too early you'll be shattered by the enemy god hid moses in pharaoh's house for protection moses could have been destroyed but what did god do god placed him in the eye <laughs> he placed him where where the enemy was he placed him in the eye in the eye of the enemy that, that stayed there and that is where god protected moses jesus was what hidden in egypt <laughs> god had to go and hide jesus in egypt i feel like this is coinc- um, this is not coincidental the fact that moses was in egypt hidden in pharaoh's house and jesus was sent to egypt to be hidden <laughs> yes he is our hiding place he is our hiding place so jesus was hidden in egypt then nazareth a place where nothing good could come out from that is where god hid the person that will save the, the world in nazareth nazareth existed in the tribe of zebulun and capernaum that is laid in naphtali and it is amazing that only an amazing God could humble himself by becoming human in such a disregarded place. Not only in Bethlehem, but also in Nazareth. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Scripture says that there was contempt. There was contempt. That is Naphtali. The people of Naphtali and Zebulun, there was contempt there. There were people that walked in great darkness. But he said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, that but now they have seen great light. Those people walked in great darkness, but now they have seen great light. It is it, the darkness was so strong that they said that even theologians say that their dialect, they used to speak um the Aramic dialect backwards. <laughs> so literally everything they did was backwards. And it was the darkness in Zebulon and Naphtali was so strong or so gross that even Nathaniel, when Philip told him that come and see the Messiah, he said, ah, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of it? Because there was gross darkness and that is where God chose to place the Messiah, to hide him. 
when the enemy is looking for a king, a great person that will redeem the people, of course, he won't look in Nazareth <laughs> because he knows that Nazareth, nothing good can come out of there. But he'll look in the palaces, he'll look in the, you know, the great places. And that is where God chose to hide his people. So sometimes God just hides you because when you're exposed, the hailstorm will crush you. So he hides you. Hallelujah. It said here in Exodus chapter 9, verse 27 to 28. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned. He said to them, the Lord is in the right. He said to them, and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord, for we have had enough thunder and hail. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. So Pharaoh knew that he had sinned. He knew he wasn't righteous and that God was. So this should tell you that unbelievers knew that they know they are sinners. They know they are sinners. They know that God is righteous and they are not. They can clearly see the light of the believer because they are in darkness. They can see. But because of his hardened heart, which is pride, he couldn't come to terms with it. That's the thing. So you see people that are, you know, in the world that are you know let's say they are um having riots and stuff you know and walking parades and some have pride months that's just by the way and they know they are sinning they know they are in sin they know that that sin that they are even in will destroy they know they are sin they know they are not righteous but because their hearts are hardened just go and tell them something and they will come after you and they will try to you know do all sorts of things persecute you because you have exposed their darkness they know if they didn't know that they were in darkness they wouldn't fight you <laughs> they know but because their hearts are hard because pharaoh's heart was hard he was prideful he, he they can't come to terms with this that's how come they stay in their sin. That's how come they made their bed in their sin. Because they can't come to terms with their pride. They can't come to terms with it. He, Pharaoh told Moses this, that oh, they are, he has repented and he's wrong and all that. He told Moses not because he was really repented. But because he just wanted to be relieved of the pain, guilt and destruction. But he didn't want to change his heart. His heart was the same. His heart was hard. The nature of his heart was the same. But then he just came to God to plead because the pain and the destruction was a lot for him. And he wanted to be relieved. Most people go before God in that sense to be relieved of the affliction, to be relieved of the pain. But still, they have no desire to change or repent. So some people come into the sense whereby they want to be relieved. They just want to be relieved. But they have no desire to change. I quite remember when, when I was sick. The first time that I was sick. I was sick. I was praying to God. I remember it was me and Brother Daniel. <laughs> we were praying. We were praying. We would speak, uh, you know, scriptures. We would pray. And... They didn't know where the sickness was coming. It was a lot of sickness at once. If I get sick today, I'll get sick tomorrow and all that. And I went to the point where I literally died. And God said, it's not your time. I heard God's voice clearly. I said, God, I'll change. 
but my heart was the same <laughs> and god did hear my prayer god did heal me but i was not ready to surrender and the sickness came again <laughs> i was not ready to surrender so we see most people that go to god in the sense whereby they want to be relieved of the affliction they want to be relieved of the pain but they have no desire to change or repent we see all sort of people in the church doing all sort of things because they have not really repented they just confess jesus as lord and confess their sin they just confess but their heart is the same for the ease of their affliction but their heart is the same so there are a lot of people in their body and they say that oh i've been in christ i have not seen anything i'm still the same because they have not truly repented they love their sin they came only to be relieved of the pain hallelujah exodus chapter 9 verse 29 to 30 moses replied when i have gone out of the city i will spread out my hands in prayer to the lord the thunder will stop and there will be no more hail so you may know that the lord is god in the earth and the earth is the lord's and it's and he added this but i know that you and your officials still do not fear the lord so god knew that they still didn't fear him god knew that they haven't really repented but god still answered moses's prayer even though the people that he was interceding for still didn't fear the lord god answered the prayer of the believer though those who were they were praying for didn't fear the lord so sometimes you can pray for someone that oh god help this person out of this situation god deliver this person the person hasn't repented but god will do god will deliver the person from the situation why because you are believe you are the believer you are consecrated to god you are dedicated to god you are a child of god he will answer you and though they've not repented they will still receive their healing so you receiving miracles or you receiving healing doesn't mean that you are saved so you can see receive miracles you can receive healing but that doesn't mean that you are saved and eternal life is yours there are people that go to you know shrines there are people that go to you know um, new age people they also get miracles they also encounter the supernatural but they are not saved but they are not saved they don't have eternal life hallelujah that's just by the way exodus chapter 9 verse 34 when pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped he sinned again and he and his officials hardened their hearts that is to say people with unrepentant hearts go back into sin so immediately they were relieved of the affliction because their hearts were still unrepentant they sinned again just like i said when god healed me i went back to doing my own thing <laughs> and not surrendering to god so some people go to church and though they hadn't repented the atmosphere relieves them of their affliction because of the prayers of the saints and that next thing you know they go back into their sin <laughs> so there are people that go to church there are believers that are in the cycle of sin i'm not talking about those who you know want to do better those who are um fallen i'm talking about those who are in a cycle so if you are in a cycle of something check your heart check the lie you are believing check if you fully repented of that thing 
first john chapter 2 verse 19 they left us but they were not part of us for if they had been part of us they would have stayed with us their living made it clear that none of them was really part of us so there are people in the body there are people that claim they are believers there are people that have the christian title but they are never part of us they don't have eternal life they are dead people walking Jude chapter 1 verse 4 for some people have slipped in among you unnoticed they were written about long ago as being deserving of this condemnation because they are ungodly they turn the grace of our god into uncontrollable lust and deny our only master and lord jesus the messiah so i was thinking how can the people slip in into the church and unnoticed did it is it that they just joined the church and they started going and the people didn't notice because if you come to a church if you're a believer people will see you they will know that oh you're a christian you will firmly say that you're a christian and but what i realized of this was it was not their what they were doing or their action it was the nature of their hearts so there are some people that come you know to join you in in prayer come to join the church come to you know the fact that oh they say that we are believers they have a christian ch- um, titles but they are not repented they are, they say that they confess their sins but their hearts are ungodly their hearts are not repented and these people are the ones that mostly come to cause divisions so the enemy sometimes uses these people to just slip in among and um, believers to cause divisions hallelujah there was a time in the church age history in the medieval times where there was a lot of division and all these division came about arguments or doctrine that is how can we have different denominations and whatnot it came about doctrine doctrine this doctrine that doctrine this one believes in this doctrine this one doesn't be and there was a whole lot of argument meanwhile in scripture it says paul tells timothy that he shouldn't argue about things which are not necessary we shouldn't be arguing and these things didn't just come forth it came in as a result of people that have been that have slipped in the church that have not repented but they claim to be believers and they bring their own ideology so recently we see things going on in the world we see some churches and they fully adorn sin they fully have verified sin approved of sin that we are this church but this this sin is like they said god god <laughs> um god changes with time so in this season in 2023 or in the 21st century god is has changed and he's much you know has mercy on the sinner so you can approve it you can do this you can do that <laughs> All because they've slipped in they were never saved they were never you know recently we see a lot of people going to bible school going to so they just have that certification of, of doctor of theology certification of minister of divinity master of divinity and these people have not repented these people are unbelievers they just went to learn theology an unbeliever can learn can, can take the bible without the spirit and say all, all sorts of things about the word why because the scripture is life a theologian an atheist can even read the bible and take in information out of it without the spirit and lie and deceive people all because this is in the word but we forget that this, the word is life and that the one that inspired the word is the one that will give us revelation and understanding of the word hallelujah so let's go to this scripture exodus chapter 10 verse 1 then the lord said to moses go to pharaoh for i have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials so that 
<laughs> so that I may perform these signs of mine among them. I don't know if we can finish today, but wherever we finish, we'll stop. Then we we'll continue next week. Yes. So Exodus 10 verse 1. God seeks to redeem you, not only for yourself, but also for others, so that they may see and glorify God, or know that God is real. After all the great signs, Pharaoh was still reluctant because God hadn't his heart. One time, um, Brother Daniel preached on this sermon, um, the spirit of man, or the spirit in man. I've forgotten the sermon, but yeah, you can look at it on the podcast page. And it says that God hadn't Pharaoh's heart. So God knew what he was doing. God could have easily brought a judgment that Pharaoh could have easily said, go. But God built it up. He built, He knew that, oh, this person, no, let me do this. He doesn't really regard this. Let me do this. He doesn't really regard that. And after all these great signs, Pharaoh was still reluctant because God hadn't his heart. Because God knew that he, he wasn't done with his work. God, there is a process that God goes through. There is a, a plan that God wants to build up before the the final thing before the full manifestation jesus didn't just come and die he had to grow he had to perform miracles he had to teach hallelujah and through all that he did all that till the great you know the great finale which was him dying on the cross and rising again it didn't just happen god built up the plan god built up the work so the freeing of the people is easy for god he could do it in a day he even said he could wipe the egyptians out easily but god needed to do this so that the faith of the people would be stirred up and as they go outside to the wilderness their faith will be stirred up god needed to work on them because the wilderness is also another place so if god doesn't work on you now when you go into the wilderness (laughs) you will die anywhere so though God saves you, God redeems you, he brings you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There is a certain build up that God built up from your childhood, even to that time that you are saved. He said he has predestined us as sons of God. So he predestined our salvation. So even before your salvation, there is a certain plan or a certain build up that God builds up in you so that you will stand when you are saved. So that you will stand. So you can look at your life and you say that, oh God, I did this and did that and did that. But you forgive me. That was a build up that God allowed. He didn't do the sin, but he allowed. So that you remember him and say that, oh, indeed you are God. When I look at my life and I look at when I was in high school and I was doing great signs and healing people and prophesying. And I didn't even know God. Right now, when I look back onto my true salvation, actually um, surrendering to God, I can I can look back at those times and say that, yes, God indeed has power because he spoke through me. God indeed has power because he, he routed miracles through me. So the finger of God is still at work and I'm able to believe because I've seen it happen. Hallelujah. So there's a build up to even your salvation. God has God doesn't just you know save you, but he builds you up so that you'll be able to stand in your salvation. 
because after salvation is not all you have to go through the wilderness <laughs> after salvation you you just don't go to the promised land you have to go through the wilderness yes the finger of god is still at work and also pharaoh and all the people of the world may hear of god and fear him repent and come to worship so when god also does the build up there are certain people that have been looking at you there are certain people that during the build up they've been around you they've been looking at you they've it may even be the people that have been persecuting you causing harm to you and others and when they see the build up and see your salvation they too will be saved <laughs> they too will know that oh god is at work Yes, you have to go through the wilderness. So you see someone that has, you know, been in the bondage of lust, come out and we know that, oh, this person is very lustful, talks about lust and all that. And you see the build up. A person might have even cursed God. And at the long run, God saves him. When you look at the person, you're like, ah, God saved this person. And that means he can save me. <laughs> if God were to save, was able to save, Matthew, I'm sorry, not Matthew, was able to save Peter, who denied him three times. Then he can also save me and forgive me. If God was able to save Saul, who later became Paul, he persecuted, he killed people. Blood was on his hands. If God was to, were able to save him, how much more you? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> Hallelujah. So that others may hear of God, repent and come to worship. Amen. Exodus chapter 10, verse 2. It says that that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Yes, how much more you. So God redeems you as a sign for generations to also hear and also be redeemed. Some may say curses are generationally. But I'm telling you today, redemption is also generational. <laughs> so that from generations to come, the people will remember God and the great signs he did by dealing harshly with those who persecuted and enslaved his people. You know, sometimes some of us boast so much of the family that we come from, of what our ancestors did, of the tribe that we come from, because of the great things they did. And some of the great things they did are even evil. But we boast because they were mighty acts. How much more this boasting that God saved your people, that God delivered your people, that God brought judgments upon people that enslaved your uh, that enslaved your ancestors? What 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 is a greater testimony than that? That even Jesus, when he died two thousand years ago, we here uh, have heard of Jesus' death and we are redeemed. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? Jesus died 2,000 years ago, but his redemption is still speaking, that we also are saved. So God redeems us generationally. Hallelujah. There is still more. That is the next plague for us to go to, but I will end here because our time is fast spent and we will continue next week. So next week, we are going to continue with the locust and gross darkness and the death of the firstborn and the rest 
I want us to pray. Wherever you are, just pray. Karabashanta. Thank God for his word. Malanda Arabashita. His redemption that is generationally. Maron Serebosa. Mashe Terebosa. Rabashita. Thank God for the revelation in his word. Makinda Rabashanta. Ole Mesetea. Makinda Rabashita. Lose Terebosa. Mashe Terebosa. Mashe Terebosa. Rabababashita. Indeed, you are God alone. For before time began. Oh, you are on your throne. Marandi Arabazanda, Lama Masheta, the great I am, the Elohim, the Yahweh, El Shaddai, the mighty man of war, Rabasheta, Jehovah Gebor, Makinda Rababashanti Keramalanda, Oh, Mason Terebosa, Oh, Shei Terebosa, Mashei Terebosa, Makinda Rabasheta. Thank you for your redemption. That is generational. Thank you for your word, Rabashita, your word of enlightenment. Thank you for impartation, Marabasunti. Oh Lord, we have been fed. Oh Lord, we have been fed. Makinda Rabashita. Thank you for a stirring in our spirit. Malenda Hansha, Makinda Rababazonti, Mashei Terebosa, Marandi Alamamazonti. Thank you that you are building us up. Thank you that you are opening the eyes of our understanding to know you, to understand your word. Thank you for grace to see Jesus everywhere. Mashanta Rabashanta La Mama Mama Rosa Thank you, oh Lord, that your plan is at work, that you have a plan, though we may not see it. Your plan is at work in our lives. Thank you, oh Lord, for grace to see that you deal in wisdom. You deal, oh Lord, not on the terms of our thoughts, but you deal, oh Lord, in your own thoughts, in your own wisdom. Thank you that you don't work how we want you to. But you work how you want to. Malandi Eramashanta, Mikenka Rabazonde, Kai Kilema, Ramazonde Rebusha, Rabazanda, Rainke Ramashanta. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we bless your name. Ara Santa, oh Lord, continue to build us up. Rabashanti Irabasita, Lemesinta. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, we bless your name. Somebody just thank the Lord. Just thank the Lord. Just thank Him. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. We thank you, Lord. Kara Mashanta, Hari Ashanta. Ola Mamalandi, Haya. Ra in the Sanda, Ashita. Mosin Terebosa. And this is also a prayer that I, I personally want to pray for each and every one of us. I'm praying for this discernment discernment for each and every one of you so that you will you are able to discern the people that come to you you are able to discern you are able to discern the people that work with you you're able to discern them discern those which are good for you and those which are not in the mighty name of jesus oh we pray for the spirit of discernment to be able to discern people by their fruits in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Labashita. There are some people that God, God is bringing in your life. They, they don't seem like it. They don't seem like it. They don't seem like they could ever be great. They don't seem like God could raise them up. Oh, they, they don't seem like it. They, they, they are like, you know, the Simons and the, and the Levis. And it doesn't seem that nothing good can come out of them or 
but God is saying that that Simon is soon to be Peter, that Saul is soon to be Paul, that Levi is soon to be Matthew. I pray for discernment for us all to descend the people of God, the people that God is bringing, and those which the enemy is planting. Scripture says that when the the farmer planted the wheat in the ninth, the enemy came to plant tars. We are praying for discernment to descend the tars from the wheat in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray also that anything that has been added upon your character, that has been added upon your trait, that is not part of your true nature, may it be removed now in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus told Peter that Satan seems to sift you like wheat, but God is the first sifter, and God doesn't sift you and sift the, the good things out and leave the bad things. God sifts you and removes the bad things and leaves the good things. That is the wheat. So I pray for you that may God sift you and may only the wheat remain in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. May God work on you. May God help you. May God work with you. May you know God for yourself in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I would have loved to continue. I'm feeling the spirit of the Lord here so strongly. But time is fast spent, so we are going to end. I pray for each and every one of you. That as you surrender, may God build you up. As you surrender, may God build you up. May God open your eyes to scripture as you study. May you walk with God. May you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. May you know him for yourself. May you love on him as he loves on you. Ah, may you love on him as he loves. May you see God face to face. May you dwell in the presence of the Lord. May you dwell in the secret place of the most high may god's shadow cover you go in the light of the lord go in the love of the lord in the mighty name of jesus amen